Hallelujah. Oh, yes. So be it, God. So be it. So be it. Oof. Glory to the name of Jesus. Oh, God. Chapter 2, verse 1. When the day of Pentecost had fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. And suddenly there came a sound from heaven as of a rushing mighty wind, and it filled the whole house where they were sitting. Then there appeared to them divided tongues as a fire, and one sat upon each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Verse 4 is where we'll focus. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. Hallelujah. I want to talk about the value of the all being filled. The value of the all being filled. Father, thank you for your word. Thank you for the power of your word. Thank you that when your word goes forth, it will not return to you void, but it will accomplish all that you desire. Thank you that you prosper your word in the things that you sent your word to. You're the source of my strength. You're the strength of my life. I yield to you. Speak, Lord. Your servant's here. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Hallelujah. The value of the all. Someone say all. Amen. This is the account of the birthing of the church of the Lord Jesus Christ. And Jesus has said, upon this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell shall not prevail against it. And the reason that the, the gates of hell cannot prevail against God's church is that God's church was birthed in the power of his spirit, the Holy Spirit. And on the day of Pentecost, we see the birthing of the church, which is a continuation of God's work, God's will in the earth realm. We live today in what is called the dispensation of the Holy Spirit. We, other people call it the church age. This is, this is where we are today. Uh, there are dis different dispensations as you study the scriptures and, and, and theological understandings that different dispensations of time where we see how God has worked in the earth realm. And so we're living today in the same dispensation that started over 2,000 years ago, the dispensation of the Holy Spirit. God is still at work in the world. Amen? Amen. This is not just something that you read in the Bible, God is still at work in this world today. 
And he will be at work in this world today until Christ comes again. And we are raptured out of the world, and then there's the new Jerusalem that will come down to earth, different order of things that will take place. And so it's so important that, that we understand where we are. Most of us do, I believe. Um, hopefully, most of us do. Some of us understand where we are and understand what we should be doing. Amen. That's critical. That's critical. Everybody who names the name of Jesus, who says that they've been born again, that they're part of the church of Jesus Christ, it's important that we understand that, that God is doing a work in this world, and God wants to use us to be a part of this work. It's very critical that we understand this. Very critical that we understand this. That God wants to use us to be a part of what he is doing in this world. Now, what we discover is that God doesn't force us. You know, he created us as free moral agents. We have the right to choose. So we can say, yes, Lord, or we can say, no, Lord, anytime we want to. But there are consequences of us saying no or choosing to walk outside of the will of God. Because when we walk outside of the will of God or we say no to the Lord, it's not just us that's affected. But it's those of that, that we've been assigned to. It's those that, that God brings into our sphere of influence as we live from day to day. When we choose to say no to the Lord, choose to walk outside of the will of the Lord, we affect our children. We affect our grandchildren. We affect even our great-grandchildren. Because this can be a generational thing. What happens in one generation will tend to flow to the next generation and the next generation and the next generation. So if sinful things will flow from generation to generation, are y'all listening? Yeah. Then spiritual things can flow from generation to generation. It depends on what this present generation does and how this present generation lives. It's very critical. Very critical. And even, you know, as for those of us who, who are walking in the will of God, if our children decide to step outside of the will of God, we've already sown some seed. We've already planted some good seed that's going to grow. It's going to come up. It's going to take root. It's going it's to come up, and it's going to produce fruit in this season. Because God is in control, and God is at work. And so it's critical that we understand all of this because there's so much work that needs to be done in the earth realm for Jesus to come back. Jesus said that, this, that, that before the end will come, that this gospel must be preached to all nations. And as I explained to our, our, in our class this morning, nations deals with ethnicities of people. And so the Lord is saying that 
Every people group on the face of the earth must have a chance to hear the gospel preached before I come back in judgment I'll just receive my people unto myself. And so if there are yet six to nine hundred groups of people in the world who've not heard the gospel and 1,510 of them have never had a missionary come, have never had a pastor, have never heard the gospel preached, that means that there's work to be done and those of us who've been given the assignment in the earth realm, we're hindering the Lord's return. I know that when you die, then you're done with the troubles of this world. But you may not be done with the troubles of the other world. Sometimes we don't think about that. You know, and consequently today, when people die, seem like everybody's going to heaven. Amen. Regardless of how they lived and what they've done, everybody's going to heaven. The dogs are going to heaven. The cats are going to heaven. <laughs> but you can't find that in Scripture. <laughs> but people are not following Scripture today, a lot of people. They're following their minds and, and their way of thinking. And, and people want to make people who are grieving feel good. But if you're going to hell, you're just going to hell. You don't have to go. But that's a choice you make. But, but it's important that we understand that God is working. God, the Holy Spirit, is working in this world today. And every one of us who have claimed the name of Jesus... Now, if you said that, that you accepted Christ and you were baptized and then later on you changed your mind, then you're guilty of another sin. But if, you, if you've accepted Christ as your Savior and your Lord, then you have a place in this work to join Christ. And we've read this over and over and over again. We preached it. You know, we don't have to have another Pentecost but we do need the Pentecostal experience. Amen. We need, every believer needs the infilling and the manifestation of that infilling of the Holy Spirit. Uh, I used the example last Sunday of the drill, the electric drill. And I th if, if this morning I was thinking about that, and I think I heard the term, is it, is it a pneumatic drill? That's, that's the term? That's I don't know, Elder Haskell's the one that impact drill. All right, well, maybe I was thinking about the wrong term. What's the, what's the pneumatic? It's the air gun. Lord, have mercy. Let me tell you something. I can take that nail gun and stand here and shoot a nail, and it'll hit you because of the power, that's in, and it'll penetrate you because of the power that's associated with that pneumatic. Now, the root word for pneumatic is pneuma. We only speak in English, so we, you know, that's why people get confused when you talk about Holy Ghost and Holy Spirit. But in the Greek, it's not. 
Holy Ghost and Holy Spirit. It's pneuma. Oh, God. Mm. That's why we get confused. So now we're scared of the Holy Ghost, and all God is saying is, I'm giving you power. I'm giving you power so you can do my work. This is not hard even for older children to understand when God has given you power. So, so I can be right here in York, South Carolina at 229 Wood Street, but God has given me power and the influence even of my prayers can affect nations. Because God has given me power. Now notice, notice that the scripture says that when the Holy Spirit descended upon the church, that there appeared unto them cloven tongues like fire. And, and that, that's important too. Because the Holy Ghost is compared to fire. The pneuma is compared to fire. Fire will burn you. Oh yeah. You if 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 I if I I tell you what, you may sit in worship and not move. But I guarantee you, if I put fire under your seat, you're going to get up out of that seat. You may never holler in church, but I guarantee you, if you get burned with fire, you will shout, ouch! So all you quiet people who feel like that's just kind of, you know, that's just not where I am. You, you can go to the football game and you can yell, you know, you can join in with the crowd and your team makes a touchdown and you can, you know, all of this stuff. But that's just not the way it should be in church. I'm not, just, I'm not an emotional person. How many guys say I'm not an emotional person? How many guys? Not emotional. You know, you don't, you don't express anything. Well, I don't see it in church. You better raise your hand. Where are you emotional at? That's what I want. That's what I'm asking you now. The right fire hadn't struck you. So, on the day of Pentecost, and 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 it is it's, it's important to see words matter when you read the Bible. Words matter when you read the Bible. So. Don't just gloss over a scripture. Pay attention to the words. Even if you don't know the Greek meaning, just take your time and read and pay attention to, to the words. And they were all filled. And this is what the Lord has been dealing with. I've been, I, I, all week long, I've just been praying about God. I know you, you want me to stay and you want me to deal more with the Holy Spirit's infilling and empowering the church. And so the other day, the Lord just reminded me of the word all. In every congregation of believers, people who've accepted Jesus as Savior and Lord, you're part of the body. If you're serious in your confession and your faith, then the Holy Spirit came to live in you. He brought you and incorporated you into his body. But it's not enough for you to be incorporated into his body. Amen? 
you need, now I've never seen this done, but you see it on television. I don't know whether it's the truth or not. That when a baby is born, they slap the baby's bottom to make him cry or do something to wake him up. I don't know whether that's the truth or not. Huh? It nurse? They stimulate. Say that again. Amen. So if the baby comes, she's a nurse now. So that's a mother nurse, and that's why I asked. Sometimes you need help. Somebody say, sometimes you need help. Lord God, hallelujah. So they stimulate. So, so, so sometimes you and some of us, when we accept Jesus as Savior and Lord, we come up speaking in tongues. We come out speaking in tongues. But some of us need to be stimulated. You've been born, but... But, but sometimes you need to be stimulated. And everybody that's scared of the Holy Ghost need to be stimulated. Amen. Because you need the evidence. You need the evidence that, 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 that you have been filled. And, and on the day of Pentecost, God gave all of them evidence that they have been filled. Now, I'm, I'm not going to labor right there, but I want us to labor on the word all. Okay, for every body of Christ, and since I'm not preaching in every congregation, oh, and I forgot to greet those of you who are watching us on Facebook Live today. God bless you all. Hello, how you doing? Amen. And everybody that will be listening to our podcast, hello, how you doing? Amen. And every fellowship of believers, all needs to be filled. Don't be thinking that you filled. All right, you need evidence. If I told you to sit down right there, but you didn't see a chair, would you sit? You needed some evidence. What was the evidence? The chair. So, all. Now, there's a reason for the all being filled. You see, in the beginning of the church, there was this great potential for division. That was this great potential for competition. Remember Jesus' disciples on one occasion uh, came and said, Lord, when you enter your kingdom, let one one of us sit on one side and the other one sit on the other side. One of of the gospels said the mother came. You know how mothers just love their boys and, you know, want to make sure that they they get the front seat. You know, so the mama intervened. Mama came and said, when you enter your kingdom, let one of my sons sit on your right hand. And one of them sat on the left hand. Joshua said, my mama ain't like that. My mama hard. <laughs> I, I saw the look on your face like, uh, no. I was preaching. I talked about that years ago. And one guy came to me. He said, he said my mama is not the soft one. My, 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 no. Yeah. He said, my mama is, is, is not the soft one. My mama is hard on us. I said, okay, that's good. Boys need their mamas to be hard on them. Amen. You know, they don't need their mamas to just love them, love them, love them, love them, love them, love them. Need to teach them how to be a man. Amen. Teach them how to treat a lady when they get one. Amen. Amen. Praise the name of Jesus. Isn't that right? Amen. Anybody got a good husband? Y'all didn't raise your hand. 
My wife said, but she didn't raise her hand. She should have been the first one. <laughs> Hallelujah. Amen. <laughs> she do all the time. She was always complimenting me. Praise the Lord. Amen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, that's this great potential. So, Jesus' disciples, some of them were like, we want the front seat. We want to sit with you. Jesus said, you don't know what you're asking. He said, can you drink of the cup that I drink of and be baptized with the baptism that I'm baptized with? And they said, yeah, but they didn't know what they were talking about because they didn't, they didn't even, it was, even though he talked about his death, they did not comprehend that he was going to die on the cross at that point. So they were saying yes to something that they surmised about. So that was this great potential for division. That was this great potential for people to draw back. Amen? Have you ever seen danger and you ran from it rather than run to it? So in the early church, Jesus knew, God knew that the church was going to be opposed. That they were going to face great opposition. So there was this great potential for, 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 for the early believers to, to, to draw back, to run away from the danger rather than cleaving to Christ. So, 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 so the Lord knew what he was doing. Amen. And then, then th this ministry uh, uh, was not going to stop with Jesus's death. No, it was going to be a beginning with his resurrection that will go on for generations. And we're still living now uh, today in the church age because God raised Jesus from the dead. So God said, God sent his spirit into the world. Not just to live in the world. He's not just out in space, but he indwells believers. Amen? And he does not just dwell in you, but he comes upon you in fullness so that you can engage in his work. Okay? Now, as the church grows and as we move in today's age, we see that, that, that there are yet people who claim Jesus, but they have no evidence of any infilling. And they still look at this as strange. This is something strange. Do I have to do this? No, you don't have to. You really don't have to. You can continue to drive your car without power steering. How many drivers we have in here? How many of you have power steering cars? Even if it went out on you. <laughs> and if you ever had it and it goes out on you, what's the first thing you want to do? Get it fixed. Why? Lord, it, it is much easier driving with power steering. You know, I can take my car and use my finger and turn the it's so easy. My wheels turn just like that. But if I didn't have power stirring, it would be so much more difficult. So that's why I said, you don't have to. No, you can still resist. You can still say, I, I, I hear about this. I don't fully understand it, but I don't want it. But you're saying to God, God, you're giving me a gift, but I don't want your gift. Most people 
when you get gifts and they're wrapped up inside of paper, you don't know what's inside it anyway. But you take it because it's a gift. Oh, somebody brought me a gift. Oh, and now, So this is what the Lord began to show me as I talked, as he showed me about the, the importance and the value of them all being filled. Okay? First of all, the Lord, the Lord dealt with me about this crucial point in the life of the church. The Holy Spirit brought oneness. Amen. Oneness. Unity. In the Godhead, we do not serve three different gods. Even though we serve God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Spirit, we serve one God who has manifested himself in three personalities or three times in history in the, way, in the life of men. So in the Old Testament, we see God working, ministering, and manifesting directly, speaking directly to the people. Even if he spoke, even he spoke through the prophets. Amen? And even if the Holy Spirit is mentioned in the Old Testament, he did not dwell in people. In the New Testament, in the Gospels, and this, this time frame of the life of Jesus on earth, God showed himself in the person of Jesus Christ. But Christ said, he's going away to leave us. And he said, I'm going to send the, the helper. I'm going to send the comforter. And so then after we see the resurrection of Christ, on the day of Pentecost, we see the Holy Spirit indwelling believers. So God is with us, but it's one God. He is one God. There's unity in the Godhead. And therefore, if we are manifestation and we are the body of Christ, there should be unity in the body of Christ. So the, so the Holy Spirit, our Holy Spirit brings unity in the body of Christ because of this great potential for division. And we see it today, you know, and, and, and when you're filled with the Holy Spirit and you're actually led by the Holy Spirit, you get out of what I want to do. It's never about what I want to do. It's always about what he wants done. Now, you may say it's not like that with me. Then you need to check yourself out. Because if it's not like that with you, then maybe you are resisting him. We are born in sin. We are shaped in iniquity. We are selfish people. So we tend to do what we want to do. Dictionaries, and we think about all of our bills we have to pay. And what we fail to realize is that once we submit to God, how many of us have heard the statement, and this is not in the Bible, it is a principle, if you take care of God's business, he'll take care of yours. We'll say yes to that. But many times we won't take care of God's business. We won't fulfill our assignment. And then we wonder why our business is not taken care of. Lord, you said that if I bring the tithe and the offerings into the storehouse to prove you, receive you will not open the windows of heaven and pour out a blessing that there shall not be room enough to receive. And so we start tithing today. And next week, if we hadn't gotten that room enough blessing, we said, that must not be the truth. Or we tithe with ulterior motives. Or we tithe out of ungrateful hearts. 
And if it's not tithing, it could be something else where self gets in the way. And when you're a part of the body, it's like when self gets in the way, it's like this hand decided it's going to do what it wants to do regardless of what the rest of the body is doing. Holy Spirit brings unity in the face of everything that can divide us. Sometimes the things that, div- that can divide us is the warfare that goes on in our lives. I'm going to save that for a moment because that's part of my next point, all right? So God's church should be unified. You know, I, I read the scripture as Paul wrote uh, to, the, to uh, the church at Philippi, and he's talking about how uh, he's not yet attained uh, the place that he wants to be in the Lord. He talks about knowing the Lord and, and, the, and the power of his resurrection, the fellowship of his suffering. And he goes on down to that, through there and he talks about I'm pressing toward the mark of the high calling of, of God in Christ Jesus. Then he said, let as many of us as are mature have this mind. We're to be pressing toward perfection. Have this mind. Pressing toward this goal of that upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That's a, that's, that, that in it alone, that alone will keep us unified. But he said, let as many of us as are mature have this mind, and if any of you are otherwise minded, God will reveal this to you also. So if we are led by his spirit and there is something we do not understand, God will give us to revelation because God is going to bring us into unity. He's going to cause us to be one. There is one Lord. There is one faith. There is one baptism. There is one body. He's going to bring us into one. And so in any local congregation, Holy Spirit is here ministering to us as we are all filled to bring us into one. So sometimes when we look at situations and circumstances and we see things happening that shouldn't happen, we have to conclude that somebody is not being led or not surrendering to the Holy Spirit. And it's so easy when you let self get in the way. You know, when you refuse to forgive people, don't y'all go to sleep on me. I know I'm not going fast like I normally go, but I want to see some eyeballs. <laughs> and don't be making me lose my train of thought. So sometimes if we're not led by the, if we're not, if we're not manifesting oneness, oneness of purpose, oneness of mission, then somebody is stepping out of line with the Holy Spirit. And, and this is not to say that, that any pastor is perfect. I'm definitely not perfect. But if you receive instructions from your pastor, as it relates to ministry, or as it relates to life and living, 
then you should follow those instructions. Amen. I'm not telling you, I might tell you next Sunday where red, but I'm not telling you what to wear to work. I ain't got time to follow you every day. I'm not telling you what you cook at your house. You want to cook chitlins and pig feet? That's up to you. Cook them, eat them, enjoy them. Enjoy the health issues that come along with them. But when it comes to ministry, when it comes to, the, to following the will of God, and if I give you instructions, I know you're going to say, well, pastor's talking about something. Yeah, I am. Uh, but you give me good examples sometimes, so I might as well use them, right? Might as well. So if I send out a text and I expect a reply and I don't get a reply, then that means somebody is not following instructions. After we've sat in leadership meeting and we've talked about the importance of communication, That's just a small example. What if I give an assignment to do and it's not done? That's just a small example. The Holy Spirit brings us in unity. Let me go a little bit further. Okay. So as a result of the infilling, unity was established in the church. And when you look at the scripture, they were all filled. They... Even when you read what they preached about in earlier, if you read what Stephen the deacon preached or the servant preached when they stoned him to death, it was basically the same message that Peter preached on the day of Pentecost. Read it. That one message. That one message. They were one body. They sung their possessions. And, and, and they, they brought it and laid them at the apostles' feet to make sure everybody had need. Yeah. Oneness. Oneness. Unity. Unity. And we are all say today, what the church needs, we say love, but it's tied in the unity. See, some people want to love, but they want you to love them. They want you to love the things that, you, that they do. I can love you without agreeing with you. Amen. I don't have to do what you do to love you. I can still love you. But we need unity. The Bible says, in the book of Galatians, I believe it is, Paul says, let us endeavor to maintain the unity of the Spirit in the bond of peace. The Holy Spirit has come to unify us, to make us one, so that we mind the same thing, we speak the same word from the Bible, we, we learn and we rightly divide the word of truth, and this is what we preach. So they were unified. They were unified in purpose. They were unified in mission. They were unified in glorifying God, amen, in the midst of the things that they were going through as they sought to advance the kingdom of God. And it's, 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 in today's world, you know, you can go to XYZ church down the street and they never talk about the mission of the Lord. Then you come over here and you hear us talking about missions and you wonder, why is all that important? I give my nickel in the mission offering. What if all you have is a nickel? That's Okay. But maybe the Lord blesses you with a, a settlement and you just got a $50,000 settlement from an insurance claim. You're going to bring God $50? 
you ought to be ashamed of yourself. Last time I counted, 10% of 50,000 is 5,000. And that's just a tithe offering. Where's the offering? Understand? You know, so yeah, you got family. You got things to do. But when there's work to be done in the kingdom, first of all, our family should understand. And we make the sacrifice to do it. And, and for the most part, we do that. But this is a part of this hearing and following the lead of the Holy Spirit who unifies us. Another thing that I noticed, I talked to, as, as, as the Lord showed me about them all being filled. And this is critical because if all are not filled right now, that automatically means we're divided. Amen. If all are not filled, automatically we're divided. We joined the church, we got baptized, but we didn't submit to the infilling, so now we have one group here and we have another group there. We're divided. The other thing that God knew, and I, and I may have mentioned this earlier, God knew the challenges that would come to the body of Christ. God knew that the church was going to be persecuted. God knew that people would be killed, that people would be lied on, that they would lose their families, that they would lose their homes. Sometimes, and I did, and when I was writing, I wrote down the word difficult. But then the Holy Spirit checked me in my spirit and I took out the word difficult and I put challenges. Because some things we call difficult are not difficult, we're just challenged. Some things are difficult, but most of the time we're just challenged. It's challenging when your body is tired to get up early in the morning and go work on somebody else's house when there's stuff to be done at your house. Challenging when you got to go to work, but you get up earlier so you can pray, so you can, so you can spend time in the Word of God. Challenging. It's challenging when you have to love people who you know don't love you, when you have to love people who you know talk about you behind your back, and you smile in their face. It's challenging. It's challenging. It's challenging. When you lose your job because you are a believer and you cannot go and give them a piece of your mind. Some people still think like that. You better keep every piece of your mind you can keep. (laughs) That piece you give away might be just a piece. Somebody say, just a piece that I need. It's challenging. We don't think about being persecuted, but saints, we are persecuted. One thing that the Lord showed me was that Satan is my enemy. Sometimes we're looking at people, but let me tell you, the devil will attack you every day. He will shoot arrows of doubt at your mind every day. You could have been in the Lord for 50 years, and things will happen to make you ask God, God, why? Challenging. But what's the difference in those of us who are filled with the Holy Spirit? When challenges come, I got a helper. 
when challenges come and I don't know what to say in my English, glory to God, God gave me a prayer language. When I don't know how to express myself, glory to God. I don't have to pray with my natural language. When I'm discouraged, I don't have to depend on you to encourage me. I got an encourager who lives on the inside of me. Does anybody understand what I'm talking about? While you're looking for somebody else to come along and encourage you, God has given you an encourager. That's, that, that's why them all being filled was so important because they were going to be challenged. They were going to be challenged. They were going to be attacked. When you look at, look at rebuilding the walls around Jerusalem in the book of Ezra and Nehemiah that we were supposed to read, they were challenged from the outside and from the inside. How many of you have ever been challenged from inside the body of Christ? Inside, yeah. It doesn't come from the outside. Some things came from the inside. But, you know, the ones that come from the inside, they're good for us. Because <sighs> we really are supposed to be as iron that sharpens iron. So sometimes, sometimes our annoyingness sharpens others. Make you pray more. Some of you need to pray more. Say, I need to pray more. Mm. Challenges. And so the Holy Spirit is living. He's not, he's not something like a Holy Spirit, come. Come, Holy Spirit. No, 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 no. He's already here. And all I have to do is access him. He's living. I have given him attention. Pay attention to him and, and, and talk to him and, and, and use the language that he gave me to pray. I don't have to go around all day long. See, I'm on my job. My supervisor talking to you. No, 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 no. Then people think you're crazy. And they don't want to have any. Let me stay away from her. There's something wrong. Uh-uh. No. I said to you last time, God, this crazy stuff that happens in the church, spooky, shouldn't be. Holy Spirit is a gentleman. He's a gentleman. He knows how to act. He knows how to behave, and he knows how to behave in you. So he's not going to have his name defiled or brought shame to by sending you out to act crazy in a situation. He's just not going to do it. Now, some people say they're led by the Spirit. They're led by the devil, Led by the Spirit because you're bringing shame to the name of Jesus. You know? He's wise. He knows what he's doing. And so, in the midst of the challenges, think about the challenges you've had in your life. If you are born again believer, filled with the Holy Spirit, it's his presence that has brought you through. Presence. And for those of us who've been through things like that, we know we thank God for the doctor. We thank God for the medicine. But most of all, we thank God for being God and for showing up in us, of manifesting himself in us in that time of need. 
thing I love about him is that he, he, he knows exactly when to come, he, when to manifest himself. I keep saying come, I don't mean that. When to manifest himself, when to, when to just rise up inside of us. As a result of the infilling, yeah, they were challenged. You, you read this chapter, or they were helped in their challenges. You read this chapter, and you see Peter and John going up to the gate of the temple uh, called Beautiful, and there's a man laying, sitting there, had been laying from birth, and he's begging for money. And, and, and what they say to, to the man is, silver and gold we do not have, but such as we have, we give to you in the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth. Rise up and walk. And Peter takes the man by his hand and lifts him up, and the man immediately receives strength in his legs. That's the Holy Ghost. That's God's Spirit. That's Holy Spirit working through these men. God wants to work through you like that. God wants you to have that confidence. God wants to, wants to embolden you in your faith as his spirit works and manifests himself in your life so that in situations where people are crippled, where people are blind, and, and where people are lame, God can use you. But my brothers and sisters, unless you are filled and have confidence that you are filled, you will never do anything. You never do it. And yet you will go to church and you will worship and you will sing with your beautiful voice. But the work of the Lord will not be done. Saints of God, God's work needs more than singers. God needs some people who are emboldened by his spirit who will go into the earth realm and do his work without fear. Without fear. All along, you read in, this, in, in, in the Bible, in, in the book of Acts. That's why some people call Acts uh, not the book of Acts of the apostles, but the Acts of the Holy Spirit. So God is showing the believers that if you are filled with his presence, there is nothing that you will not be able to do if he assigns you to do it. Thank you, Jesus. Last thing. Before I bore all of you and you go to sleep on me. You know, one of the things that the church needs, the church needs some faithful workers. Somebody say faithful workers. So with them all being filled, there were in the beginning 120 in the upper room, 3,000 get saved on the day of Pentecost. So the church grows exponentially in a matter of hours. More workers needed to be in the kingdom. The apostles couldn't do all of the work. Okay? So in the book of Acts chapter 6, well, well first of all, they needed to fill Judas's bishopric. They needed to fill his position, and, and the Holy Spirit led them in a way to do that, and they did it. But in the book of Acts, the Bible says, uh, as a number of disciples increased, there arose a complaint against the Hebrews by the Hellenists, by the Greek-speaking part of the body, that they were being neglected in the daily distribution of food. And sometimes people tend to do that, you know. You associate with people you know. 
people you've been close to over the years, you associate with them. So when new people come into the church, there's a little bit of us may talk to them and may fellowship with them. But the majority of us, we talk to people that we're accustomed to. And what I've found, and this is, this is probably true in every locale, what I've found in a lot of instances in the church is that people will tend, when new people come along, to say, I don't know what to say. Or you are so accustomed to talking to your family and your close people in s- certain ways that when new people come, you tend to talk to the new people like you talk to your family, and they don't know you like that. Amen. Somebody said they don't know you like that. So the stuff you use with your family, and they understand, and they're not offended by what you say, you can turn somebody off by talking to them the same way you talk with your family. Some people don't get that. Am I making any sense? Holy Spirit leads us and teaches us how to talk and how not to, how not to divide ourselves. And, 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 and we just hang around our little group, but he teaches us how to come together and be one. Okay? So then he, he makes sure that when new people come in, that everybody that's a part of the body makes themselves known and makes them welcome. It, all. Somebody said everybody. All. Okay. So, in the, in the, so the, the, the Hebrew people were neglecting the Greek-speaking people. Okay. But notice what happened. So the apostles, the apostles called the church together, and they said to the church, they said, seek out from among you seven men of good report, good reputation, full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom we may appoint over this business. But we will give ourselves continually to prayer and to the ministry of the word. And the saying pleased the whole multitude, and they chose Stephen, a man full of faith, full of faith in the Holy Spirit, and Philip, Prochorus, Nicanor, Timon, Parmenius, and Nicholas, a proselyte from Antioch, whom they set before the apostles. And when they had prayed, they laid their hands on them. Listen to this. Then the word of God spread. And the number of disciples multiplied greatly in Jerusalem. And a great many of the priests were obedient to the faith. So as workers were added, not just any workers, workers filled with the Holy Spirit and wisdom. As they, so as workers were added, the church grew. Why? Because the apostles then could give themselves to praying and preaching the word of God and teaching the word of God, not building a ramp for people, not working in the yard and in the flower bed, not having to meet, or meet with every ministry in the church to make sure work is getting done. Do you see? Do you understand? Well, Bishop don't say it. We can't do it. Well, if I point somebody over you and tell you to do it, then you should get it done. 
Because I said it through them. That's called delegation. Anybody ever heard of it? How many of you have supervisors at work and they come and do your job? They don't do it. They'll fire you. Get somebody to do the job after they tell you a couple of times. Workers were at it. God, I'd be praying, God, send more workers into your kingdom. Send more people that want to work. You know, we got all, in the, not just in Tabernacle of Praise, we, we are a good church for the most part, but we can grow up some. But, but, we can grow up a whole lot. But, in the body of Christ, you have these little issues that go on in the church, and the work can't get done because the pastor spends a lot of time putting out fires. Uh, uh, the pastor, see, stuff not getting done, you know. You got a few people that will be faithful. Thank God for faithful people. But say, we need more faithful people. And all it takes with being faithful is moving beyond self and yielding to the Holy Spirit. Yeah, this happened, I didn't like it. But there's a greater vision. that a greater purpose. Yeah, this person said this to me. And it hurt my feelings, but that's a greater purpose. You know, maybe when I, when I heard what they said, I was feeling some kind of way anyway when I came to church. Does this make sense to anybody? So, Holy Spirit keeps us from allowing all these little foxes to spoil our vines so that the work can go forward. So, no, what will happen when the church in Moline calls me and says, Bishop, we need you this Sunday. We need you to spend three weeks with us. Or the church in Seattle will say, we need you to spend a month with us. What's going to happen here at home? Well, pastor, love us. I don't want to hear Elder Stowe every Sunday. I come to hear my pastor. I'm going to stay home because pastor ain't preaching. Holy Spirit doesn't operate that way. Because there's a, there's a greater, there's a greater work that has to be done. And when we come in line and in unity with the Holy Spirit and we allow him to lead us and guide us, and it is about the work. It's not about the bishop. It's not about the, 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 the assistant pastor. It's not about the minister of music. It is about the glorification of the name of Jesus and the advancement of the kingdom of God. So God, in my little corner, help me to do what I need to do regardless of anything else. Regardless of whether my feelings are hurt. Put my feelings behind me and go on in Jesus' name. They lied on Jesus. They spat on him. They put a crown of thorns on his head. They beat him, but he did not back down from the cross. Didn't do it. He went all of the way when he could have called angels to come and deliver him. But he died for you and for me. Says to us, and let me tell you, sometimes we sit back and say, Pastor, you know, I don't get offended now. 
but the right thing happened. You are careful. If you're not led by the Spirit, you get offended. I, I got eyes. And I, I watch people. I watch people care. Their little attitudes. I watch people kind of draw back. Well, I'm just going to draw back. I'm this. What happened? Let it happen. Oh, no, baby. I'm not going to let what happened go happen. This is God's work. This is God's work. This is about the kingdom of heaven. Mm-mm. God, I want to be engaged. I want to be involved. I want you to use me to be a part of advancing your kingdom and making sure that things go to their well. Use me, Lord. Oh, Jesus. It's the Holy Spirit that does this in us. If he's not working in us, then we will get sidetracked. If he's not working in us, we will be discouraged and we won't come back. If we don't allow him to do this work in us, we will be so offended that, that, that when we look at ourselves in the mirror in the morning, we're offended. He has to do this work. So when I looked at this and I said, Lord, you said they were all filled. There was not this pocket that were in that upper room that day who backed off and said, I'm scared of this. When it was noised abroad, when they went outside of the room and they heard them in their own language and they heard the gospel preached, they said, men and brethren, what shall we do? 3,000 souls were saved. Everybody didn't get saved when they went outside of the room. The important things were they, was that they were all filled. So they were all empowered. They were all empowered. This is what I would love to see. I would love to see every member of Tabernacle of Praise stand in the power of the Holy Spirit and deliver a message, a solid message guided by the Holy Spirit. I'd love to see every member of Tabernacle of Praise ready to go out into the hedges and the highways and lay hands on the sick that they might recover. Pray for those that are, that are going through different struggles and different situations, trusting God for finances, amen, to be able to bless people. Don't, don't be looking for the church to do it, but I can do it myself because of the way God has blessed me. I like to see every member say, say, Bishop, I can't go with you this year, but next year or a year after next when you get ready to go, I'm on the team. I'm going. Amen. And while you're gone, Bishop, I'm going to be on my face in the church at least when they call prayer time and I'm going to be praying. If I'm at my house, I'm going to specifically be praying. I want somebody to say, Bishop, give me your schedule so that when you go from place to place, I will be in prayer. Because I am engaged in the work of the kingdom. My purpose is to fulfill God's purpose in me. I yield to you, Holy Spirit. I'm not responsible for XYZ folk down the street. I'm responsible for you. I watch over your souls, and I pray for you, and I try to make sure that when I'm not here, that there are people that are responsible who deliver words, the word of God to you, and that we rightly divide the word of truth, and that we're led by his spirit. Amen. I'm not even responsible for folk who leave us. Once you leave and you say, Pastor, I'm not a member, I'm not responsible for you. I'm not. You're assigned to another pastor. I don't have time. I don't hate you. All right, but I just don't have time. I got responsibility right here. I'm not responsible. 
So when you get sick, call that pastor. When you die, call that pastor. Oh, you can't call him, but have your family call him. Now, I'm not saying that, that, that the people I know and I'm close to that I won't come and visit and pray for you. I will, but it's not my responsibility anymore. God has given me an assignment. And as I'm led by the Spirit, there's enough work here to do to train you up. But what I want to do is I want to train you up so you take the responsibility and run with it, but run right. You hear me? Run right! Don't take the responsibility and go left. It means I t- gave you the uh, responsibility to do something, then you go do your own thing. No, that's a way you do things. They were all filled. It's the Holy Spirit who does this in our saints. That's what I'm trying to get across to us. We can't do it. We will never do it because we're born in sin and we're shaped in iniquity. We will never be unified in and of ourselves. We will never follow instructions in and of ourselves. We will never sacrifice completely in and of ourselves. We'll get tired. Be ready to give up. I got better things to do. Holy Spirit won't allow you to do that. Mm -mm. No. No. He won't allow you to do that. That's the value of us all being filled. If you know you're not filled, you have no evidence in your life that you're not filled with the Holy Spirit. There's no reason for that. Don't assume. Don't assume. You can be filled. You can be filled to overflowing. You'll be amazed at the difference it makes in your life. The difference that you the, the, the turns, that, the, the, the joy, the peace, and the strength, the power that you have in your life just by yielding to Him. So, Lord, Holy Spirit, I give up. I give up. I yield. Fill me. Just fill me. Fill me. Fill me. Fill me. This is not. Denominational doctrine. This is the Bible. Hallelujah. So I know the message is, it, it, it seems like it's just for us, and it is just for us, but it's for the body of Christ. Because today we're neglecting the Holy Spirit. We're neglecting him. We're going on in church, in life, like he does not matter. And we can't do that. You can't establish a church without him being present. And you know that he's present. And you need the people who connect to the body, who want to live a godly life and be engaged in what he's doing in the earth realm to be filled so you can be led. Because you can't be led without being filled. He makes the difference. He makes the difference.